Yo, 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 it's your girl Kelly on Kelly Talks with Monk, but he ain't here. Um, <laughs> Monk is actually out this week. He is busy, busy, busy doing Monk things, but I do have a special guest on the air. We got my homeboy, Mark Henderson. Mark Henderson. Yeah, yeah. Mark, 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 Mark Henderson. That's me. Henderson. <laughs> Sound effects. Sound effects. Uh, this dude is so dope, though, so y'all gonna have a great time talking to him today or listening to him because I'm gonna be the one talking. You're not gonna be talking to him. I'm going to be talking to him. But I'm super excited because this dude here, like, he's been doing stand-up forever. And um, and it's so admirable because he's so good at writing and what he does. And he completely switched the game, like, mid-stand-up career. He just flipped and went in a completely different rec- direction. And so I wanted to chat with him about that. Later, we're not gonna talk about that right now. Of yeah. course not. Why we walk right in the door, giving you all the goods without giving you a bunch of bullshit to hear first. Right, you gotta stay tuned, like they do on uh, the news. They uh, tell you something to make you watch it, and don't show it till like the uh, last five minutes of the show. Exactly. <laughs> See, so we're gonna have this in the last. I'm not even gonna tell you where it's at, cause then you could just forward to the end of the show. <laughs> so I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna just sporadically throw it up in there. So you gotta stick around and see. This dude, Why does, I mean, no, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I, I haven't shows you on X and Radio. You may not know who he is. On shows on XM Radio, he's done uh, BT. He's done NBC. The dude is really, really good. And so, I want you guys to hear how long this takes, um, and just how it works, man. Just the grind of it all. I want y'all to hear that. I want y'all to hear this shit. And. Uh, <laughs> And really, I want to hear it. So y'all just going to be here to, uh, <laughs> to also get it. <laughs> uh, anywho, but I want to give a shout out to my homegirl, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany, I love her. I don't know if y'all know who that is either, but she's one of the stars of the new Girls Trip show, a movie that's coming out in July, July 21st to be specific. And she's on the cover of Essence. And she's so fun. She's on the cover <laughs> of Essence. Like, I'm like, yes, bitch. Like, this is my homegirl. We, like. That remind me of each other, actually. Y'all yeah, we do. Same, we do. Like, which energy. Is, oh, my God. Which is why we didn't like each other when I first met her. Well, I ain't going to say we didn't like each other. I didn't like her. I think I was saying, like, uh, I would love to see Kelly and Tiffany together just to see, like, just watching the two of you would make me tired. <laughs> like, oh all the energy God. y'all have. That's so funny. <laughs> Tiffany is my boo. Like, every time we go to L.A., we make sure to see each other. No matter when I'm in L.A., I see her, even if it's for five minutes or five hours. Like, we get together. And the energy is infectious. It's insane. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I can imagine. It's well, both of y'all. insane. <laughs> oh, my God. Anywho, uh, I'm so happy for her, and I'm so proud of her. Y'all make sure to go check that out on July 21st, and y'all make sure to get it when it comes out, the uh, Essence magazine when it comes out on June 16th, which I believe is in two days. Nice. Apple Uh, Watch. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm an Apple Watch? Yeah, Yeah, Apple Watch. Yeah, Apple Watch. You know, I'm such a um, techie person, like... From the computers to the iPads to the watches, like you, you anything technology, you got me sold. I couldn't afford the Apple Watch, so I had to get like a prepaid watch. Uh, my watch kept running out of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my god, you stopped at like midnight. <laughs> right, <I gotta laughs> you, like, you get up, people like, man, where you at, yo? You're like, what's time now? It's midnight. You're like, no, nah, dude, it's gonna be at eight o'clock. <laughs> oh man, my watch ran out. Out of minutes. At 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> I was on yesterday's time. <laughs> That's so funny. Sorry, y'all. I was eating a strawberry. Um, and today is my four-year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Hard that. worker. Yes. Okay. I can't believe it. But we've been together for seven years. It'll be eight years. No, it'll be... No, this is seven years, which is so dysfunctional because it's like... <laughs> Yay, we celebrate an anniversary, but we at that seven-year itch where we're going, like, we're at each other all the time. You know what okay. I mean? It's like, why are we together? You know, you Hilarious. have that. And they say that happens at seven years. I feel like it's happened every year because I have many personalities, and they all come out at different times. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of the seven-year itch. Uh, so, yeah, that, I guess that really is real. They I'm say it is. I know. Say that occurs. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know if we... We've actually gotten so much better mm-hmm. this this year 
in all the other years that we've been together. So even though we argue a lot, it's not arguing in the sense of like, I hate you. It's arguing in the sense of like, we're supposed to be working on this. Mm-hmm. So how do we figure this out? You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. like, we, we have these moments where, because I think too, we're both going through self-development. So when you have two people that are working on themselves in certain ways, it's certain stuff that keep coming up mm-hmm. that you're trying to work on that you may, the other person may ignite that part of you unknowingly. Nice. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, not like, so if, yeah, so for the people that, that don't make sense to you, I'm gonna give an example because I love giving examples. That's what I do. <laughs> but he may be working on listening more and I may come in and, or, or he may be working on not listening. He may be working on not being snappy, right? Being more compassionate or whatever upon initial encounter. So okay. if I first walk in the kitchen, right? And I say something to him that's not necessarily the best thing. Or if I say to him like, so you, you just not gonna take the trash out, right? I'm just give that shitty ass example. Uh, I'll be snappy but, on that. But that's not something that I would take out. That's not something I would say. But if I say, wait, so I need just, some development. <laughs> so you're just not gonna take the trash out, and then he say, um, "Damn, I told you I'm gonna take it out, right?" And that's his reaction. He may be working on not being so snappy. So by me coming in and igniting that, just out of habit, right? Just out of the way that we always talk to each other, I'm coming in with this same type of uh, sassiness that's igniting him versus me knowing that he's working on that type of thing, then I should work on how I talk to people, right? So I walk in and say, hey, babe, did you get a chance to take the trash out? That's a completely different comment. Right. And then in return, he'll give me a response that equals my level of what I'm, you know, of what I gave to him. So it's basically when you have people that's working on themselves. So wait. I'm getting confused in this uh, explanation. So I'm getting confused in telling you. But so wait, wait. That, therefore, so are you working on who's working on the snappiness? Because it started off like it sounded like you started off snapping. So are you working on your snappiness? Both. It both both people are working on individual things, whatever they are, whether it's. Um, you said like listening more. The two of you have to like develop the other person's weakness. Exactly. You have to work together to not harm their progression. Right knowing that they're trying to progress, if that makes any sense. It does. So, yeah. So that's my thing. It's like when you, when you're trying, when a person, when a couple has, when a couple has decided to work on things and they are voicing it, they're communicating that these are the things I'm trying to work on, not necessarily for the sake of the marriage, Mm -hmm. but for the betterment of my life, right? For the betterment of your individual self. You tell that to your mate. If your mate is not one trying to work on themselves, then you got an old way of thinking type of person mm-hmm. with, a, with a attempts of new way of thinking. Okay. That's you. automatically gonna, gonna cause conflict, Conflict all, which, which, dukes up. which hinders this person from being able to really reach their potential with, their, with what they're trying to do because they have to constantly fight in their own house. Mm-hmm. To, you know what I mean? To balance out this other person that's not trying to work on their emotions or not trying to work on themselves. That would also be like a good thing to uh, have a podcast about married people and single people and the way we view things. Yeah. It, it's, it's completely <laughs> different. Yeah, like different, me. like, uh, lines of sight. <laughs> it is. So what, what do you see about that situation? So if you have a girlfriend, or not even a girlfriend, just what do you, what do you outside looking in, what is that? I said, look at that. If uh, somebody comes home and the first thing they say to me is, you ain't took the trash out, we about to argue. It's not, hey, how you doing? How was your day? I mean, that's how I'm going to try to greet them. But if they come in greeting me like that, it's like, oh, they trying to fight. Right. So, yeah, my, my perspective of my fantasy, uh, I did quotation marks, like y'all can see that. Right. <laughs> my, my fantasy scenario when I do get married is, it's not going to be a lot of fighting, but I'm sure that's very naive. Because my train of thought is uh i don't want to fight when i get home like that should be that should be the one place i should be able to relax and chill get away from the world i fight everybody else in the world trying to make it i should come home and just be in some type of paradise yeah and trying to make it a paradise for my spouse as well but if we're inside the house arguing it's like i could have stayed outside i could have did this outside that makes sense and a lot of guys think like that like i'm not gonna go home to her bickering yeah like i'm gonna stay i'm gonna hang out with the the person i'm supposed to you're not my enemy you're my wife or whoever well we're talking about me and Mary, so yeah, you're my wife, you're not my enemy, so we should be on the same team versus being at odds with each other. Yeah. 
it's it's so interesting how as a married couple when you're in it when you're in the thick of it you you think that right you feel that mm-hmm. but the energy of what's occurring completely just wipes that out like yeah we should be on the same team but right now you're not on my team <laughs> yeah, right you know what I mean? you're not being on my team and it's from individuals looking at things from their own perspectives, how they see an incident to be. Me looking at the trash not being taken out is me considering the people in my household being inconsiderate, right? That's my perception of that. Versus him not taking out the trash was simply that he was doing so many things. At the time he was cooking, he was doing this, he was doing that, and then when he ran out the door to go to work, he forgot the trash. It was a simple mistake. But that's his perception versus my perception has all these other things tacked onto it because of what I'm thinking about and how I feel, which is what we're working on as a couple, which is interesting because... Explain some more because with that breakdown, okay, I'll let my guard down at that point because you just communicated why that upset you and I can understand why you came in and spoke that way. So now instead of fighting, now we can just figure out how to get back on the same page. And that's a good way to resolve it. If, if that occurred. But the thing is, it shouldn't occur. Right. You feel me? And that, that, that trying to avoid that is where the personal growth comes from. Whereas me working on me and him working on him. Because to come in and communicate, with, communicate to anybody like that, assuming that you're going to get a certain type of response, it's just ignorance. Okay. You shouldn't talk to anybody. <laughs> it would definitely make you put your guard up. Yeah, you shouldn't That's talk to anybody in the world. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like that. I don't care if it's your kids. I don't care. And that's the thing, that too, that we struggle with. Well, I don't struggle with that. But we, as a, as a people, specifically black people, is talking to people, talking to their kids mm-hmm. a certain type of way. If you talk to your kid like that, do you not think that your kid is going to grow up to talk to other people like that? Because it's being just. Why they're at school. And why they're at school. Why they're <laughs> right. young. It's justified. Don't say that to their teacher. Yeah. It's because they see it. So you shouldn't talk to anybody that way. So I absolutely um, agree with the resolution of it all. But it should never happen. Which is where we're hitting in our seven years. Which I'm happy we're on the same page with that. The communication and trying right. to figure it out. And both trying to work on ourselves. We're at that point in life. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 36 this year. So how many times during the week would you say that y'all are going through these conflicts? Uh, you guys get days off where it's like good days and then maybe like once a week y'all have a big argument we don't have too many big arguments anymore not like full-fledged you know no we have our bickering moments like i no, you i said that you okay whatever but i think that's (laughs) i think that's period um that's not worth fighting over. We're going to skip that one. Yeah, it just happens. <laughs> but at the same time, what, where I'm trying to get, and I'm pretty sure he's trying to get here too, is to a point where those conversations don't even happen. Those arguments, those, well, I was saying, well, okay, well, just forget it. Even that doesn't happen because it's unnecessary. Right. It's, it's simple communication. It's simple communication and objectivity, right? Looking at it from a holistic standpoint like why is this really a big deal why does this even matter what what could possibly be going on on that side right that turned this into this situation or could turn this into this like that's how you should be always looking at it versus we look at it so one-sided people just in general look at everything so one-sided from a very personal their own point of view yeah their own point of view and how and that's great but when you're in a marriage right i was i don't even want to say dating this girl but like I say dating, <laughs> but uh, just communicating with her. Like, she thinks it's weird that I ask her questions because she is a little bit snappyish. Mm-hmm. So she goes off about a lot of different things. So I'm trying to ask her questions, just trying to understand, like, why are you coming from this angle with it? And she thinks I'm being offensive. I'm asking her questions, and I'm like, no, I need to understand why this and that upsets you. What happened in your life? What happened in your past? Because right. if I can't get that. And you just snapping off on me, I'm going to probably eventually snap back. I'm being patient right now. Right. But if I can understand, like, this happened in my life, so this is why I don't like walking behind somebody. Right. <laughs> I'm just giving a crazy example. That's not anything that happened. But, yeah, let me know why you don't like to walk behind somebody because this happened when you was a kid and... Your mama turned around and smacked you backwards yeah. or something. Like, I, I don't understand I prefer that. not to be behind people, yeah. It's like, she doesn't want to explain that stuff. And I'm like, how do I ever get to know who you are? Let's say we ever did fall in love, we got married... 
And then after we get married, now well, you're showing me all of this. this is a pre-fall in love question? Huh? This is a pre-fall in love question? This is me just giving the example of understanding the person truly, like the communication, how important communication is. Right. So... And understanding the person, like, I mean, people do things because of things that happened before. Yeah, that's the so only reason why. if I end up marrying this chick, which I never do, but if I end up <laughs> marrying this chick and I don't understand them, then when she does let go of this wall that she has and starts showing me stuff, you said the person I know. So now i got to learn a completely different person. That's why I'm trying to ask these questions now just so I get an understanding of who you are. And I'm like, you should ask me questions, too, because if you don't ask me questions, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea how I got to where I am in my life, why I think a certain way. And I think that's very important if you're going to get in any relationship. you got to understand why a person thinks that. So I guess that does go back to the reason I brought that up is understanding a person's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, gotta, I, you definitely got to understand a person's point of view, but you can't when you're so caught up in your point of view. Exactly. It's impossible. You're like, this is no, 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 my way. And I used to say things like, like quotes like, or not even quotes, but phrases like, this is just who I am. I hate that phrase so much. Yeah, I wouldn't like that. As an adult now, because I used to say that, like, well, this is just who I am. You know, you get in an argument with somebody or they tell you, you trying to tell somebody that the way that they're seeing something isn't necessarily the best way. Mm -hmm. And it really isn't. Like everybody else sees it's not the best way either. And you trying to let them know. And they're like, well, this is just who I am. It's a very stubborn, like, I'm in this world alone kind of attitude. And a lot of people actually use phrases similar to yes. that. Uh, especially in the dating world. And a lot of people, I think, are single because you got to grow past that. You have to. Because a lot of people be like, you should just accept me for who I am and love me unconditionally. Yeah, I mean, I want to love you, but I don't believe in unconditionally because so many things can go with unconditionally. <laughs> yeah. You got to like, elaborate what that really means to you and what that means to me. Right. Saying love me unconditionally, be like, oh, I go out and cheat four days a week, but no, you still love me unconditionally just because right. you love me. No, that's not going to happen. You're going to break this up because nothing to be with a cheater or somebody right. that's cheating on me all the time. But accept me for who I am. I don't even know who you are. Explain to me who you are and give me the opportunity to see if I want to accept that. Right. If I want to be with that person. Yeah. And that's, and that's it. You can't, you have to be, you have to be honest with yourself when you're dealing with other people mm -hmm. and you have to be honest with them because at the end of the day, y'all progress like that and then somebody flipped the switch. Yeah. That's insane. It is insane. And it happens though. <laughs> right. It happens all the time. And you have to be flexible to say like, okay, like when, when people say, this is just who I am or love me for me, I feel like what is the way to put this where I'm not gonna I, I want them to I want them to be open to maybe the way that I am isn't beneficial to my life. Okay. That's the attitude, that's kinda like the attitude you need to have in order to make a marriage work. Maybe the thoughts that I believe, a business too, a career, all of those things I feel like fall under the same attitude of maybe what I think I know is not the truth or not what is, or there may be another way. Maybe what I'm so caught up on in my, like when we say I, this is who I am, right? Mm -hmm. Or love me for who I am, that's saying that basically who our parents raised us to be is what you get. Right. But our parents were just trying to give us a guide of how to go out into the world and become ourselves. Mm -hmm. If you never go out into the world and become yourself, if you hold on to all those ideas and, 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 and theories from when you were a kid. You never grew. You never grow. You never grow to find out what it is in this life that you like for yourself, that you want for yourself. And this is who I am. Like, I used to be a bitch. You know when you first met me, and you may have never met the bitchy side of me. Oh, we always been cool. But, <laughs> yeah, we've been moments. cool. But, I mean, when I first started... And stand-up, though, I was a very, you know, my shit don't stink type of <laughs> nigga what? Like, I had this very, like, aggressive attitude towards everybody. And that's because I came from an aggressive upbringing. I came from a household where it was a bunch of yelling and screaming and fighting all the time. It's like, that's how I looked at things. Everything was competition. Everything was a fight. I was always in fight-or-flight mode. Mm -hmm. I could 
use that and say, well, this is who I am. You got to love me for me. But was I even happy being that person? Right. <laughs> and I wasn't. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I had migraines. I was stressed out. I oh, was, wow. yeah, I was always like this. Like this. I always have, and y'all can't see this, but my shoulders are raised up to my ears. <laughs> but I was always like that. And when I went to the chiropractor and he started to work on, like, massaging my neck and stuff and getting the migraines to subside, he was like, you've always been on guard. He said, you've basically lived your entire life from since you were young flinching. Right. Being on guard. Like, you know what I mean? Uh this was a what? A chiropractor? Chiropractor. <laughs> like a uh... therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's crazy, right? Right. And it's like you don't profession. but you think into yourself like this is who I am. But that ain't who you gotta be. Right, exactly. And that's what matters in a marriage. You have to if you're gonna get married, you are agreeing to spend the rest of your life with this person. It's supposed to be. <laughs> and if that's the case then you have to go into it with an open mind saying that we have to build our beliefs together now as a team. True. It's not about his beliefs and my beliefs. It's about our beliefs so that our children has something to go off of. Right, you gotta be on the same team, same page, the two are becoming one. So there's not really enough room for separate missions. Exactly. Goals, points of views. You gotta try to get them as close together as you can. But going back to the dating thing, some chicks always be like, you know, well, this is what I think in my head when they say that you got to accept me for the way I am or when they just doing a whole bunch of rebellious stuff. It's like they want you to fight for them uh, and win them over, even though they're giving you all of this resistance. So I guess it's like prove to me that you'll deal with whatever just to get me and then I'll change. That's a lot to ask for a person. It's almost like that, 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 like R Romeo Juliet, like that past princess story. Yeah, you know, like, like fight the dragon. Yeah, and, it's like, that's, a, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> fight the dragon because you are like fighting something that's that strong. And if you beat it, then you can have me. Yeah, but it's oh, that's a great way to break that down. I never even put it that. Way. I never even thought about it that way. That's deep. <laughs> Thanks for deep. telling me. <laughs> it is very deep, but it, to me, it's also like a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Because let's say I do fight that, and then a whole nother dragon comes. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be fighting dragons for the rest of our relationship. <laughs> got to, got to, you got to meet a person somewhere. Mm-hmm. You have to call <laughs> the dragons off though, at some point, basically. That's profound. That's dope. You have to call the dragons off. You got to say, you know what? I don't have to be this person. I need to make a note to where you tune in to like 22 minutes to 23 minutes where that's going to get real deep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you counting the minutes for? What is happening? I just looked at um, it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That's, I'm going a, I'm to a go. This, is, this has been a great conversation, actually, right. about uh, marriage, a whole completely different direction than where we were going. <laughs> but Two friends talking. It, it always happens. But I do want to, because we're approaching on 25 minutes, I do want to channel back and okay. go into... A comment that you made where you said you got to get to know me like why I am the way I am why I think the way I think and why I do the things I do mm -hmm. you said that so with that being said I do want to know why you do the things you do specifically why you flipped in comedy because you started out as just a straight up like blue comedian like <laughs> yes was cursing unnecessarily. <laughs> and then you went away. And then you came back after how long? That's a good question. I don't even know how many. Might have been a couple of years, actually. I feel like I've somebody said lost three, track. but I don't know. I think it's somewhere in between two or three years. I've actually lost track of like how long I actually left for. Because people always ask me, like, how long you've been doing comedy? And I can never answer the question or the answer will always be different. Because I've done it and I've left and I come back like the last few years have been consistent but prior to that life was just keeping me from doing it full time so the first time you did it when you were blue mm -hmm. you worked how many years like how many years was that before you stopped 
honestly don't know the answer to that question. I'm trying to pinpoint the time when I did it because I was living in Chicago. Then I left. I was still in Chicago for a couple of years. I'm going to have to, like, get back to you on that one because I would really have to, like, concentrate on what I was doing at that time. That's funny. Um... You know, like, you know, women, we be on it. I've been doing stand-up for almost 11. It'll be 11 years, June 30th. Yeah, plus my, my memory ain't the best. So I literally have to, like, just try to pinpoint and think back on that because I ain't even thought about that in so long. Wow. That is a good question because I was doing it for a while, but then I stopped. But I don't know how long that phrase, that period was. Okay, so what was it that made you say, I got to get away from this? I got to do something else. I have to – because you went – you came, you, you went and you came. So many questions. Uh, you <laughs> came out blue, right. but you left, you went away, and then when you returned, you were clean. Right. Okay. And not just clean, you're a Christian comic. Right, so that goes back, well, okay, uh, that goes back to when I did leave, the reason I left is because uh, I was starting to get convicted with what I was doing. Like I was going to church every uh, weekend or every Sunday or whatever. And so you started like, going to church? Yeah. That was recent? I mean, I, I mean, was like I had recent. always went to church throughout my life, but I just started taking it serious. Okay. Or start, you know, really developing my relationship. So I just started getting convicted. It's just like, I'm, you know, I'm in church on Sunday. <laughs> I just brought up a memory, too. That's exactly the reason. Uh, but I was going to church on Sunday, and then, like, uh, at night, that's back when Riddles was going on, when D-Ray had Riddles. Uh, he had, like, a big Sunday night show. Oh, yeah, I remember that Sunday night show. So I'm, like, uh, <laughs> I'm in church in the morning, and then I'm on stage at night just cursing, basically ignoring everything. I was just being taught at church. So then just started getting That's silly. why I stopped going to church. <laughs> That's another way you can. That's so true. I, for real, <laughs> I did. I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I just started getting convicted about that because, you know, the, always one of the biggest arguments about people in church is y'all are hypocrites. And stuff like that. So I'm just like, that. am I being a hypocrite by doing the opposite of what I'm being taught? Or people in church just like everybody else. So, Did something happen in your life that made you take church more seriously? Was like like something that occurred or did you just say? I just started reading the Bible for myself and just developing that relationship to start spending more time with God. I actually start praying more and then... What made you pick up the Bible though? What made, what was it, was there anything that initiated that? I did it periodically. Like, I would pick up the Bible, read stuff, and I would stop uh, maybe throughout my teenage years, but I never, like, finished it. But then one day I was like, I want to read the Bible from beginning to end. Okay. And, you know, see what it says and get my own understanding of it. Gotcha. So okay. that's when I start, you know, reading the Bible, seeing what everything meant with my own interpretation, not what a pastor tells me this means. Right. And then spending time in prayer, uh, and it was just changing me. Right. So I got to the point where it's just like, I can't get on stage no more and curse. And I thought I couldn't do comedy without cursing. So that's the reason why I left for a couple of years. I just really figured like, there's no way, cause I was like you said, blue. Like I really cursed a lot in my act. It got to the point, oh, this is also around the time where it made me see that. It's like uh, one day, me and my family were together. They wanted to watch my comedy tape. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm gonna get my tape and put it on. and. Uh, it was me, my auntie, my mom, a couple of family members, and then like my aunties, them kids were there as well, so my little cousins. So they played maybe like 30 seconds, and they heard what I was saying, and they made the kids leave the room. <laughs> and then you... my little cousin's like, we wanna see our cousin, you know? And it made me feel bad, I'm just like, that's the first time it dawned on me yeah. that what I'm saying can actually split people apart. It wow. gave me like that type of vision, because I'm just like, I don't want my, Fam I don't want my comedy to separate families. I want my comedy to bring families together. That's interesting. Yeah, wow. and it was like separating my own family. Like my little cousins was really mad that they couldn't come in there. They couldn't stay in the rooms. So now they mad at their parents. Their parents, my auntie and uncle was probably like, I didn't know he was going to be like this. Now I'm thinking they're looking at me a different way. Right. So it's just like, no, nah, that's not what I want my comedy to be. And I think it was a few weeks later after that uh, that I actually just stopped. With like, you know, I'm not going to do comedy. Right. Wow. So that's how that went. <laughs> and so then you figured out that you can do it. Then a couple of years later, and I think Cats kept reaching out to me, like, you know, trying to put me on stuff. And I think Damon was reaching out. He's like, you know, you can do it clean, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you can do it without cursing. He tried to get me on a college show. That was actually the first show I went back to. And you're like, I can't. I know it. I can't. I didn't think I could do it. And they yeah. were trying to give me 
remedies. So now were you, I'm sorry, were you cursing in your, in your real life though? Even yes. while you would, okay. So did you stop that altogether? Yeah, I stopped cursing off stage, period. I don't curse anymore really, period. I'm, I'm saying really, I don't curse. How long has that been? Since way back then. Since that, so that's when you stopped all of it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's I don't just use so in any of my conversation, <laughs> which makes it hard to debate sometimes. I'm trying <laughs> <different> words <laughs> to get my point across. Man, G, with the fudge <laughs> I'm trying to say is. <laughs> it ain't that extreme. <laughs> but yeah. No, that's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Okay, so then you came back clean. I came back clean, but I was terrible. Like, Were you? I was bombing so bad, so bad. And I think I lost a lot of my confidence in comedy back then. Like, it took me a while to learn how to do it clean. And it's still a struggle now sometimes to do it clean. Uh, I mean, profanity, it gives, it gives more to your personality. It makes you express things better. So people who don't know me, like I'm a laid back comic on stage. Uh, I'm not super high energy. Uh, you can probably tell by my monotone voice doing the podcast. Right. But it's kind of how I am on stage. So back then, you know, I at least use curse words to express certain emotions. So now that's being taken away from it as well. So a lot of my comedy is strictly in how strong my punchline is, not how I am moving and giving you expressions on stage. Right. So. Yeah. It's, curse words are kind of powerful. <laughs> I love curse words. Yeah. I do. And I'm trying to stop cursing. Just, I'm trying to stop for a couple reasons. One, because, I, I, you know what? Mike says something. My husband said something very interesting the other day. He said, I think it's because you can't control it. Okay. <laughs> and I found that to hit me a certain type of way. I was like, I think you're right. Because cursing is the one thing that I've never cared about. I've never, in all of my changes and personality and trying to fix certain things about myself, whether it was my hair, whether it was my appearance, whether it was the way that my mind worked, positivity, no matter what, cursing was never off the table. Mm-hmm. I didn't even consider it, which is why I stopped <laughs> going to church. I was going to church, and I mean, there's a couple of reasons, you know, I've had my, my thing in, in, in so many other areas of spirituality, but one of the reasons were because I would go to church and I was getting involved. This is when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was getting involved. I was there, you know, Sunday school. Then I had regular church. Then I would sometimes stay for the dinner portion. And I'm in church all the time. I'm going to the little functions on the weekends. And I have to, like, seriously think about what I'm about to say before I say it because of where <laughs> I'm at. Okay. And I wasn't that kind of person then. Like, you see how fast I talk now. Mm-hmm. I've slowed down a thousand percent you feel me right right so back then i really was flipping the mouth like i really didn't care what came out and if you didn't like what i had to say then oh well get out of my space right that was the attitude i carried and i was i was trying to communicate at church it always felt uncomfortable i was um and then i would think about it when i left like damn like i'm two different people Okay. You know, I'm in church like this, and then I'm not in church like this, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Right. I was literally two different people. Like, I was, oh, my God, thank you. Yes, no, oh, my God, yes, look at the Lord. Ain't he good? Like, that's why I was in church. <laughs> but then I'm, I'm calling my baby daddy, like, oh, bitch, so you just not going to come? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the type of... Right, right. It was fucked up. So, I mean, it was messed up. Ah! I'm trying. I'm going to control it <laughs> one day. <laughs> but, so I stopped going to church because of that but when he said that that control factor mm-hmm. that made so much sense because when you can control something in life you feel more confident about it right when you when you can't control it it's when you feel like it's it's out of your hands anything can happen right and so me thinking about conversations whether i'm in i've been in meetings with people where maybe a curse word shouldn't have came out but at the same time i was like if you gonna know me you need to know me right Right, right. and so (laughs) so they'll say something like um you know so what are you trying to do next or something i'd be like man shit i'm trying to really you know and like the shit was unnecessary that word didn't even need to be there Mm -hmm. in that conversation and i think too even though this has been like an american thing right this has been 
things that we've been listening to for years, I do think it, it, it equates to a lack of vocabulary. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't want to necessarily say a lack of vocabulary, but a lack of access to that vocabulary. So when you move too fast and you're talking too fast, you're thinking too fast, stuff comes out without you being able to grasp it and say, no, that word shouldn't be there. Right, true. So the <laughs> vocabulary might be as big as whatever, but your immediate habit, your immediate habitual words mm -hmm. are cycling of nothing but curse words, and that's what continues to spew out. And that's how I felt. It's like I couldn't control. It would just come out. Mm -hmm. And the nigga is another one. Nigga has been nigga. Nigga has been my nigga. <laughs> For years, you know, it has. I've never had the emotional draw to it, and I might get some flack on this on my web. I might mm -hmm. get some flack on my podcast for for being honest in this in this area. But I've never had the emotional draw to the word nigga mm -hmm. like people have. Or they say, you know, our ancestors. I've never felt like that. It's always been a casual word that's been used in my upbringing. It was like, man, that nigga crazy as hell. It has been mm -hmm. nothing but another word for saying that dude, that guy. Right, right, right. And I know that there is a lot of history to that word, and it's definitely not an okay thing for people that are not of color to say, <laughs> but right. even for people of color to say, because there is a deeper history that we don't understand. And it's like we've, even though we've flipped it to be a positive thing, mm -hmm. it still an, it has a negative intention, a negative right. underlying meaning. That was one of the words I was still using when I did even clean it up. But then, like, years later, I start hating that word uh, just because, like, I don't have a problem with black people using it uh, because we have tried to switch it to make it positive. But at the same time, I still see black people using it to down other black people. Mm -hmm. So, like, whenever something happens or they did something over there, all them niggas over there was doing that. Yeah. So it's still very negative. Like, I try not to say it to anybody. It'd be your friend, but as soon as y'all get into a disagreement, that's niggerish, or that was niggerish, and stuff like that. Or even when people explain, they be like, well, you got black people, then you got niggas. Yeah. Like, like, they say that a lot. We're talking about our own people. White people don't be like, you know, we got white people, then we got crackers. Right. So, <laughs> that's never said. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, like, we've heard that word so much that even though we are taking it, and trying to make it positive is still a negative word because as soon as we get mad, we're going to use it negatively. And then you're almost agreeing with the way white people see black people that are the way racist white people see black people and use that word. Yeah, like you're we're just doing reinforcing the stereotype. You're giving them, yeah, giving them what they think already. Yeah, and these are our people. Like, you should never call, I don't care how mad you are at this person. And even if they are acting ignorant, because that's supposed to be the definition of the word, I don't think we should ever call another black person nigger or use that. Another any person. Yeah, period. I call my dog that little nigga. <laughs> I don't think he's offended, but um, I could be, but he is black. <laughs> but that is not why I call him because we got we got a little uh, yellowish looking ass dog, dog too that I call nigga. So I don't know if he's a light skinned nigga or if he's an albino or if he's white uh, with a tan. I don't know. Too funny. But <laughs> anywho. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I have had, so, like, that word to me, I don't know, I just can't do it. But anyways, let's spin back to you and being clean. So how have you felt? Oh, well, I think we last, well, you want to ask the question? Or, oh, no, go ahead. Uh, we had left off on me leaving the circuit for a while because I didn't think I could be funny, so I was, like, bombing for a very... Oh, right, and Damon, yeah, that's exactly the question I was about to ask is how you felt, so you're headed in that direction anyway. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, it was terrible because I had moved back to Atlanta, and then in Atlanta... I was going like from the hood as clubs and up there trying to be clean. So some nights it'll be good, a lot of nights it will be bad. And it was just like an emotional roller coaster because it's just like, am I funny or am I not funny? And like, I wanted to quit a lot of times. It's like, I don't think I could be funny. But then I have friends encouraging me, telling me, like, you know, you are funny. This is just not your crowd. And I wish that was something I would have learned back in the day because it's like, it was so important to me to be able to rock every room. Yeah. And be funny in every room. But not comedy everybody comedy is subjective. Yeah, I was yeah, saying not like, everybody gonna follow you on that train. And I really wish I can go back in time and just, you know, I, I could still do the rooms. Just don't make this your main focus. Yeah, don't go let allow where, that to be that confidence killer. Yeah, because my comedy is you have to. I try to make you think about stuff, and my a lot of my punchlines are hidden, so you have to listen. Yeah, <laughs> creep up on you. Yeah, and sometimes people just want you to be 
straightforward, like super animated and right to the point, and that's just not my style. Yeah. So it was about learning who your audience is, and I didn't do that back then. Yeah. And I'm more concentrating on it now. Yeah, because you kill at the Laugh Factory. Yeah, if they ever put me on stage. But the times <laughs> I've seen you. That's so I, interesting I to me. I do Laugh Factory. I just don't get put on stage as much as I should be. Yeah. But that's a whole other conversation. I think they have a new wave of comedians that are getting booked a little bit more there. Yeah, I'm just, I want to be in one of these ways. <laughs> <laughs> so now, so what are some, some benefits to having switched off? Like, what do you feel the difference is between where you were headed in your comedy career before and where you are today? Well, once again, where I want to go, uh, and this is before the allegations, but... Like, Cosby's comedy was everywhere. Oh, Cosby's allegations. I'm glad you hurried up and said that, because I was like, dude, what has been alleged upon you? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> like, <Cosby> I... <laughs> I'm just saying Cosby, as far as he was the main person that was known for being the clean comedian. Yeah. Uh, and that family-friendly type of... Yeah. So that's the market that I always wanted, and it's the market I still want. And I actually, unfortunately, because of what has happened to him... Uh, I'm definitely trying to be that next person who's going to take over that market. Right. Because there's nobody who's in that right now, at least that I'm not aware of. Like, Sinbad was probably going to be the next person to take over that, but he didn't. Right. And I think those people are craving somebody to be in that position, so. Yeah. Big market. Very big market. Very profitable market. And that's who I am, so. It's perfect. That's who you are? <laughs> yeah, that's who I am. That's Clean. who I am? <laughs> Clean comic. Nice. Nice. So what, is, what are some struggles, though, that you feel have, like, held you up having switched in this direction? Like, do you feel like there's been anything? It just took me a while to learn how to, I'm not going to say master it, but enjoy doing it. Uh, enjoy the reactions that I'm getting on stage. So that was, I mean, it took years. Literally, maybe like the last three or four years is now that I'm comfortable, I feel like my comedy is strong. Right. So even before then, like I was still having too many nights where I was bombing all the time and stuff like that, where I was concentrating too much on bombing. But bombing is a good thing, actually. But that's another conversation as well. <laughs> I just figure if you're not bombing, you're not growing because you're just saying stuff that you know is going to work all the time. And if you're not trying any new jokes, I see you 10 years from now, you're going to still be doing those jokes you knew will work. So that's why I try to tell people it's okay to bomb because that means you're working on something new and everything you're working on isn't going to work. But keep the good stuff, throw the bad stuff away, but always try to grow. Yeah. There's too many people who are ripping and destroying, but they're just they're or not stepping out of their comfort zone. They have to mix it in. That's how I do it. Yeah. I take a joke up top that I know where. And actually, I'm not going to. That ain't how I do it. I just go on stage and say whatever the hell I want to. I, I wish I had your courage. And, and, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's so many times where I just had something just happen before I walked in. And I'm like, yo. He did that at an audition before. I'm like, man, this grass. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't, I don't, if I, if it just, I feel like if it just happened and it's on my brain and that's what I'm going to be thinking about anyway. So why should I come in here and try to do some jokes when I know that this situation what was, that? was, it was funny to me? It was something that jokes and notes and we went to the car and you was like, let me tell you this joke. I'm going to do it on stage. I'm like, girl, this is a big audition. Oh yeah, I do remember <laughs> I that. something brand new. It went well though. It did. I am saying, I wish I had the courage. And that's my thought pattern. Like, she about to try something new on a big audition? Like, yeah. I would never have the guts to do that. That's what, that's something I admire about you. Like, oh, thank to you. Have guts to do something like that. Like, yeah. that's that's somewhere I need to get to. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's an amazing courage to have. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it goes. Yeah. I guess it is courage to an extent. It's definitely courage. It's just me, but I've always been a firecracker, so I don't know if it's courage or it's my personality at this point. You feel me? Because okay. people, if you think about it, people, some people have to be courageous. They have to say, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Versus some people just came out the womb very active. In people faces, always got personality, always just, you know, and even though mine wasn't always a positive personality, you know, I was that little bitch, mm -hmm. I was always that one that's going to speak up, though. Right. And I think that it's personality over courage, because I think courage, not to discount myself, which I just did, but courage to me would be me being able to go on that stage and articulate 
without using curse words and still have the same responses that I'm getting from my audience and still have the same energy that I'm getting from my audience with a written joke. Right. I rely too much on my natural talent than I do on my sit down and let me write this talent. And I say the opposite about myself. I rely too much on my written talent versus just yeah. my freestyle. And, and see, that's, that's, a, that's <laughs> about... It goes back to what you said <laughs> earlier about people uh, bringing out the better part in the other person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be something, if we were a... Uh, an imaginary couple, you have to like make me work on freestyle, and I yep. have to make you work on written. And making me work on written, exactly. Yep. And that's that's the truth. Like most of the time, people have only one or the other. You you very rarely get those Eddie Murphys, right? You know what I mean? Like those ones that just have they like to write, and they also are great performers. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, they're coming more nowadays. The Key and the Pills, you know, they're they're getting better. I feel like the the not they're, they're getting better. Huh? They're stand-ups? No, that's that's true though. Oh. So that's not even the same equivalent because sketch you have to write. Right. You're taught to write mm-hmm. in sketch. So yeah, let me remove that comment. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like it's getting better. I do feel like more comedians are like the Carmichael, right? More comedians are starting to also do this mm-hmm. and then write it and have the ability to you know, Josh Johnson is a good one. Where like yeah, that's where he has a lot of he can go on a on a off the brain thought, mm-hmm. but he also has that written right. material too. And see, I'm just now really getting into where I write, mm-hmm. and I may not write it out fully. Where I'm like, because Allie's one, Allie Clayton, she you know she will write a whole joke from beginning to end exactly how she's gonna say it. Oh, nice. It's just crazy, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't do, I can't do that. I go crazy. And so usually what I'll do is I'll write like a little premise. And then a couple lines under it, and just thought, prop, like things, bang, bang, bang. All right, cool. Then I'll go on stage and I'll rant about it. Now the problem with that is I usually say a bunch of shit that's not needed to be said in order to find the funny in it. Right. It's that's a waste good. of time. Not really. <laughs> you might find some extra funny by doing it that way, and as long as you're recording yourself. I do record all my sets. Yeah, you can yeah. like hear like, oh, what did I say? With yeah, you know what? I absolutely do that. I say I, I, I record it, and then when I listen to it, I end up tagging my own stuff right. while I'm listening to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Everybody has different ways of writing, Yeah. no one way is the right way. Yeah. I guess I am writing then. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. Well, I am definitely writing my book, so that's working. Uh, but, so, the biggest thing you say would... that have come out of you changing up or whatever. The biggest lesson, I don't want to say the biggest thing. The biggest... The biggest plus is where uh, yeah, that. I think I'm headed because it just opens up so many more doors for me. Because uh, let's say I get an opportunity to do late night TV. A lot of mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I got to come up with a late night set. I got to remove this from my set. Me, I'm just like, you can say this to me right now and I can walk on stage right now and do a set <laughs> and I will have no problem uh, doing it like I don't have to think about what I should or shouldn't say because everything is already pretty much TV ready. I'm not saying change it up, right? Your style, but just have five or ten minutes ready that you can always an audition clean. set yeah. or a, yeah, yeah. So I would just have that on your back burner. Yeah. But I can, like I said, with me, I take any one of my jokes and just throw them on there. So my whole act is TV ready, in my opinion. But I haven't been to a late night. Uh, audition yet? I heard they do still critique everybody and tell you to take certain things out. So no matter what you have, yeah. So I'll see how that goes whenever I get to that point. And how long have you been on this second wave of being clean? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's like ten years now. I was gonna say it has to be around the time I started because I yeah. remember seeing you when I started. Yeah, so maybe t- maybe a little more than twelve, ten years, maybe twelve years. Like, it's, like I said, it's always hard for me to pinpoint how long I've been doing it uh, because I always... Have that gap. Yeah, I always left, came back, left, came back. Even though I was uh, cursing, I ended up getting, like, a job. I had to, like, leave for, like, a f- maybe, like, four or five months and then come back. It's almost like starting back over. So it's always hard for me to answer that question, how long I've been doing it. <laughs> you got to remain on stage. 
You got to. You got it's to. just what it is. It's the most important thing. Anytime yeah. I'm off stage and I go on in like two weeks, right? Two weeks, maybe I've been doing sketches and whatever, or maybe I just went on vacation. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Then I come back and get on stage, I'm like, what is happening up here? <laughs> right. I can't find my jokes. I can't find, like, and I go result to the old, old jokes, like yeah. the ones that used to work back in 06. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, like, right. I, I be pulling stuff out. I be like, yeah, so I'm a five-year-old. She's just going to prom. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hilarious. It's she terrible. She's 16. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be like, so look, my daughter was seeing imaginary friends. Just dumb so stuff. Funny. It's, it's, it happens. That's why you got to stay on stage. You have to be active. And comics always come and ask you, like, for advice, and that's always the advice I give. And they think you're just giving them something hack, but, like, no, it's something that's very important. Like, that that's the is most stand important thing somebody can tell you. Like, stay on stage. That's so serious. Yep. You'll find everything on stage. Even if you're not a writer, you're going to find your rhythm of how to deal with, how to, how to work that stage. You'll mm-hmm. find it through, like, Brandy, for instance, was struggling here in Chicago for like, I won't say she was struggling, but she wasn't doing as good as she wanted to do. She even saw like the stumbling block she kept hitting. And then like, out of nowhere, it's coming together for her. She just was like, bam, 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 bam. Now every time she's on stage, every joke, it hits, it goes well because she's found her rhythm. Right. And you have to have that stage time in order to get there. Yeah, and I remember she would take gaps off, so. And then mm-hmm. when she starts doing it more, I mean, she always shines. I talk to her a lot, too. So it's just like, same advice. Keep getting on stage. Yeah. You're funny. You're going to get funnier. The more you stay on stage, the better you get. Two Queens, one Mike, June 30th. Brandy and me, just so you know. Yeah, dope show. I attended. <laughs> I was on the first one. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Well. Two Queens. I think this was great. I'm going to stop smacking on start uh, strawberries <laughs> in y'all ear. I'm so sorry. I think this is great. That's the end? It was a lot of insight. Well, I don't really never have an ending. I just be like, yeah, and we out. Um, I just end wherever I want to end. But I'm going to end here because we're going on damn near hour. And my podcasts are never this long. My podcasts are like anywhere from 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we've over-talked. I think it was a whole marriage gap thing. Um, Still a great conversation. All right, Mark, real quick, let them know where they can find you. Social media stuff. At Mark is funny, M-A-R-C is how you spell my name. At Mark is funny on Twitter. Uh, Mark Henderson, M-A-R-C on uh, Facebook. Instagram coming soon. Snapchat, probably not. <laughs> uh, got a channel I on Pandora. Snapchat. I just never get into I'll get into that later. Uh, got a channel on Pandora, so just go to Pandora, type in Mark Henderson. My comedy channel comes up, and I'm on two stations on Sirius XM Radio. Uh, Foxhole and Laugh USA trying to get on Raw Dog Comedy and Jeff and Larry's Comedy Roundup. So if you're listening, I'm trying to be everywhere. They're probably not listening, but j- if y'all listening, put him on y'all show. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to hound y'all until y'all do. So you might as well just do it now. That's what's get up. Emails every month. June 30th, Two Queens, One Mike at the Revival Theater. If you're here in Chicago, remember I'm at Second City every Saturday at the Blackout Cabaret, 9 p.m., getting down like what? Check out the podcast and check out the blog on kellyhoward.com. Mm-hmm. If you go into the top corner, it says blogish. Click there. And I've been writing up some shit, y'all. It ain't necessarily been stand-up, but I've been writing up some shit about some issues that I've been thinking about. So go and check that out, too. Peace. All right, I'm out. Kelly Talks. Peace. With Mark today. Mark Henderson. Anyway.